Welcome to Inside the Media Minds. This is your host, Christine Blake. This show features in-depth interviews with tech reporters who share everything from their biggest pet peeves to their favorite stories. From our studio at W2 Communications, let's go Inside the Media Minds. Hello, everyone. This is Christine Blake, the host of Inside the Media Minds. And I am here today with Rhea Kelly, Editor-in-Chief at Campus Technology. Welcome, Rhea. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. We're excited to talk to you and learn more about your role at Campus Technology. Um, So for starters, can you give us a quick overview of your background and your role at Campus Technology? Sure. So I started out in actually in consumer magazines. I worked for Shape Magazine for uh, several years. At the time, it was the number one, or I'd say number three women's lifestyle magazine in the country. So it was really exciting place to work. Um, Also very high stress. It's amazing how much anxiety goes into, you know, every detail of a magazine cover when you're uh, relying on newsstand sales. Um, So eventually I was ready for a change um, and I had the opportunity to move to the B&B side here at Campus Technology, which I really fell in love with. Um, I want to say, I mean, every job has its own uh, levels of stress in different ways, but for me it was a lot more fulfilling. You feel like you're able to really focus more on your audience um, as opposed to, you know, trying to get your people to buy your magazine at the newsstand. Mm -hmm. so I've been at Campus Technology for 16 years now, um, and uh, you know I didn't start out as a technology expert. I probably wouldn't call myself one now, but I feel like I'm an expert observer, and so hmm. really learned a lot just by covering the industry for for you know over the years. Um, and one thing that I really love is that the field of higher education technology is, uh, I'd say, it's really mission driven. So we're not talking about technology for the sake of technology or for the bright and shiny new thing. There's kind of a greater purpose um, where everyone is um, trying to support student success and kind of the the core mission of the university. So it, you know, it's kind of inspiring, feels good to be a kind of a small part of that. And it makes the work more interesting because there's a lot more to every story, kind of the why behind why people are uh, using technology. I also really love the people. Um, there's a culture of openness in higher education of like sharing, you know, thoughts and research um, that I, you know, is uh, really great. And it, it feels good to be a part of helping people share their experiences with one another. Um, and they're also really thoughtful about the use of technology. So it's just a, you know, it's really a, a field that I've fallen in love with over the years. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's super interesting. And um, yeah, you mentioned going from the B2C space to B2B and somewhat of a niche topic area. Who exactly is your audience? Like, who are you writing for? And then what are some of like the main topics that you're covering right now um, at Campus Technology? Yeah, so we call our audience IT leaders or IT decision makers in in higher ed. And the interesting thing about that is that it's actually a pretty diverse group. So, I mean, you've got the university CIO might be the first thing that comes to mind, you know, really the head of IT uh, at the institution. And that's definitely a a target audience for us. Um, But also we're speaking to 
all levels of IT staff. We're speaking to instructional technologists, you know, people who are really more um, focused on the use of technology for learning, teaching and learning. Um, we've got a lot of sort of tech interested faculty among our audience, administrators. Um, and the way we look at it is that uh, the decision-making process for technology in higher education is very democratic. So, I mean, there's almost always a committee involved in choosing what technology is going to be implemented for any situation. Um, and on those committees, they, they like to have all of the stakeholders involved. And sometimes that even includes students. So, you know, you've got a wide variety of people involved in really making the decisions for any technology project on campus. Um, the thing that really brings tends to bring all of those stakeholders together is when you're talking about the use of technology for uh, teaching and learning, student success, things that are really the ways in which technology can align with the core mission of the university. So while you know you might have an IT staffer, maybe a, you know a network administrator who has their own sort of uh, nuts and bolts things going on. Um, the thing they have in common with the faculty member is that you know they want to make sure students can access the tools they need, um, you know, to learn. So that's the thing that, that um, tends to be the our core focus is that area where it all comes together for teaching and learning. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So, what were some of the biggest topics in higher ed tech that you all covered in twenty twenty two? Yeah, so, you know, along with that diversity of audience, I mean, gosh, there's a real wide range of topics that, that we like to cover. So that includes um, the back-end administrative systems. It's kind of the foundation of, you know, making everything work. You've got the IT infrastructure, um, the technologies just in the classroom for enabling things like hybrid learning and uh, remote learning. Um, the specific tools for teaching and learning and collaboration. Data analytics is always big. That's really tied to student success, you know, trying to um, identify students that might be at risk, you know, through their interactions with campus systems and the data that's generated by that. Um, data security also big, especially since the pandemic, it's kind mm -hmm. of a topic that's come back. Um, so the, the list of topics goes on and on. Mm -hmm. But in terms of just the hottest things in the past year, I'd say digital transformation was a big buzzword in the past year. Um, it was something that I think was really uh, kick-started by the pandemic. You know, you had uh, this moment where everyone had to, uh, we don't like to use the word pivot, but they had to mm -hmm. pivot uh, from in person to online for everything, you know, not just classes, but you know, in the uh, in the finance department, just figuring out how to get people paid when you can't be there to, you know, physically sign the the mm. checks or, or whatever. <laughs> so um, there's just a lot of things that um, that kind of go on a tangent here. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was talking to the um, the CIO at the the Cal State University system. Um, and one of his stories was that, you know, before the pandemic, you couldn't get anyone interested in, in investing in digital signature technology, um, you know, because it's just as easy to sign the paper that comes across your desk. But then when the pandemic happened, 
you know, in two seconds, they had deployed digital signatures mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and everyone had to embrace it, but they also discovered that, oh my gosh, I never want to go back to paper again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just kind of a small example of how um, that, that's a form of digital transformation that that uh, really it's one of the silver linings of the pandemic, I think, just yeah, making it, all that yeah. those things happen. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because we hear so much still about um, like the remote workforce, the hybrid workforce, all of that happening as a result of the pandemic. And it's interesting to take a higher education perspective on that and how it completely forced, you know, um, higher education to shift how they do things and run things. So I'm sure that was really interesting to kind of cover as, as things evolved. Yeah, uh, definitely. Even from the student side, I mean, it's just had a an immense impact on the expectations that students now have for their institutions. You know, that so mm-hmm. the need for to to offer flexibility. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about how there's no really going back to the old way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that there are countless um, surveys and things of students. They pretty much always say that students want some percentage of online learning as, you know, part of their experience. So, um, you know, colleges and universities now, it's like they, they have to build that into the array of options for, for students. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. So what, what stands out, and it could be at, from your time previously at Shape or any other publications, but what stands out as one of your most memorable stories to write or be a part of? Oh, one of my favorite things, um, it's funny since we were just talking about digital transformation, um, we did a, a digital transformation survey last year where we you know, asked people about kind of the state of digital transformation at their institutions, what the level of awareness was, what their priorities were, things like that. Um, and then I presented the results at a virtual summit that we hmm. put on, uh, along with a panel of... Uh, higher education, IT leaders, basically actually some of my advisory board members. Um, and so we got to talk about, or sort of present the, the findings, but then also talk about them and get the reaction directly from, you know, a, somebody in the trenches um, in, in higher education and, and sort of how, what their feedback was on, on, on all those things. So, Basically, after that event, I wanted to write it up as a, you know, hmm. as a story that could be accessed on the web. Um, and I found myself in this kind of interesting uh, dilemma because typically if you're writing up survey results, you know, you've got your graphs and your analysis hmm. and you just kind of present the findings. But I was so inspired by what everyone said during that panel discussion. And I had all these great quotes, like I really wanted to somehow do a hybrid of a Q&A, but also survey results. Mm. <laughs> um, so it was an interesting technical challenge. I'm not sure that it totally worked, <laughs> but um, it, I think it did turn out to be a good read. And, and th- the thing that's most important to me is those insights from the actual people. I mean, gosh, whenever I'm talking with somebody, so, uh, interviewing someone for a podcast or for a story or you know for an online event, um, there's always moments where I think to myself, oh my gosh, that thing that person just said 
is an amazing quote that I'm going to have to use somewhere. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that, and when you have so many of those, it, it's just like, you want, you want to share them. <laughs> yeah, so. absolutely. And that, that kind of segues into my next question. It's about what types of resources do you look for um, when you're interviewing or, you know, writing? Um, a lot of our audience consists of communicators and PR professionals. I'm sure you get a lot of pitches. So I would love to hear some of your insight in this topic area. Yeah, so I do. I get a lot of pitches and a lot of pitches I get are really companies wanting me to talk to their CEO about some industry issue. Um, and I'll do that occasionally. But what I'm really interested in is really getting in touch with people who are in the trenches of, you know, higher ed IT. And that's actually also true of our audience. They would much rather hear from their peers than um, from, you know, someone on the corporate side. Um, but anyway, I, I'm always wanting to know how people within the university are innovating with technology or how technology is solving a problem for them. And that means like, you know, not necessarily a specific product. It could be, um, you know, technology in general or a range of, of uh, solutions um, and how that's impacting students. That's always like a, you know, a core idea that's mm -hmm. important. Um, and I, I like to hear about sort of project successes, but I also love to hear about challenges and things that went wrong. I think sometimes mm -hmm. sharing mistakes can be incredibly valuable. Uh, and that's something that usually in higher ed, I find people are happy to share both, which I think is pretty special mm -hmm. um, because you know, lessons learned, it doesn't have to be, no, not everything is, <laughs> is a smash hit, you know, there's this uh -huh. sometimes things go wrong and it's good to know what those were. Um, so that that's the kind of thing I'm always looking for, for, for interviews. Um, I also really love any kind of survey or research um, especially if that sheds light on a particular trend, you know, it's the type of thing that it's easy to write up, it's easy to digest, you know, for the reader. Um, and it, it, you know, is something, I don't know, that they they can take, take away some interesting knowledge from. So those are mm -hmm. always pretty valuable too. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we're seeing an emergence of data research being more valuable. But I also love what you said about um, lessons learned. I do think there's a lot of opportunity for both people to talk about things they've learned along the way, because you're right, not everything's amazing all the time. And people can often learn a lot from that. So that's a really good perspective that you just shared. Yeah, well, like an example of that, I was uh, doing a podcast interview um, of someone who works in uh, I forget what her title was, but basically works in HR for a university. Um, and so she was working on ways to engage her, the, you know, um, staff members across the institution remotely. Um, and one of the things that she talked about, she tried to do a virtual Halloween parade uh, <laughs> because it, in, you know, in, in person times that had been a major event that was really popular. She said people would go all out, elaborate costumes. It was a big deal at the university. Um, but then trying to recreate it virtually, it just did not work. Like the, mm -hmm. she just couldn't get people interested in, in attending a virtual event. Um, and her takeaway from that was that, hey, it's okay to have bad ideas. It just try stuff, you know, sometimes yeah. it's not going to work. Um, and then you, you don't, you know, you don't sit there and be like, oh, boo-hoo, that didn't work. You say, that didn't work. Now what 
what's going to be the thing that works? Let's try something different. So it's always a, a great takeaway. Yeah, absolutely. And then I know we talked about a lot of the topics that you've been covering lately, digital transformation, things of that nature, data security. Um, do you think that'll be similar as we get into 2023 or do you see any kind of emerging topics that you think will take a lot of the headlines? Yeah, I think a lot of those things will remain important next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but an emerging topic that I'm seeing is a focus on student experience. And I touched on it a little mm-hmm. bit, but you know, coming out of the pandemic, the way students' expectations have changed and really the way technology can enable more flexibility or enable more personalization of that student experience or more streamlining of things like the administrative processes. One thing I always hear is that people say, you know, the experience of attending a university should be easy. The, mm-hmm. you know, the individual courses should be challenging, should like, you know, should stretch your brain. But, you know, anything else, whether you're registering for classes or paying tuition or dealing with financial aid or figuring out, I don't know, what you need to complete your degree, all of that, it, it I think traditionally has not always been very easy. You know, it's kind of, mm-hmm. you've got these sort of antiquated processes. Mm-hmm. It's uh, one of the things I think is going on in the digital transformation of universities, but just being able to streamline those processes and make them more student, like service oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's kind of a, I don't know, I think it could become a buzzword. It it, it touches a lot of different areas, I think, student experience. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. That's really encapsulates it very well. Um, we do have a couple of listener questions here before we wrap up. Um, one is what's the most interesting hot take or opinion that you've heard about the industry or technology lately from a spokesperson? Well, one thing I really love is when uh, people challenge buzzwords. Uh, so Recently, I was interviewing the CIO at the University of Michigan um, about data privacy. And we were talking about data-driven decision-making. I brought up data-driven decision-making. Now, that's a buzzword that's been around for a long time. And he corrected me and he said, you know, he doesn't like the term data-driven. And so at UM, they focus on data-informed decision-making. It's oh. kind of a, a little <laughs> distinction small thing, but his point was when something's data-driven, it sounds like you're taking the human out of the equation. So the data mm-hmm. is driving the decisions. That could be something an, I, an AI could do for you, or you know, it could be automated. Sure. Um, but when it's data-informed, that means that you're tapping into all of the data and the resources, information that you have available to really like make strategic decisions as a human. <laughs> so sure. I really, I really liked that. Um, another yeah. one that came up was um, challenging the word, the buzzword, the new normal. That's something that people mm. have thrown around, mm-hmm. you know, post pandemic, oh, we're in the new normal. Um, but I had one person who, who felt that that really uh, suggests the status quo, like the new normal, we're just going to stick with the status quo. Um, so they preferred the new now or the new possible, like there's two options there. Um, Just, you know, uh, meaning that we're gonna beyond, going beyond the status quo and, you know, kind of uh, more more future looking, I guess. 
Sure. I like the challenging of buzzwords. It's it's fascinating how, you know, like one small tweak or one small word can change the whole perception of a phrase or several words together. So that's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then kind of a more uh, kind of fun personal question. What show are you currently watching? Oh, man. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm a big nerd. I love sci-fi. I love all things Star Trek. <laughs> um, okay. But right now I've been watching the new Quantum Leap show. Um, it's kind of nostalgic. I'm a child of the you know late 80s, early 90s. So mm -hmm. I definitely remember watching the original. And I think that the new one, it's enjoyable. It's not like amazing, um, but it's fun. And I get limited TV time. I have a, a 10 year old who really loves to monopolize mm -hmm. the TV in the evenings. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. so actually when I'm not watching Quantum Leap right now, we're working through all the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> oh, she, she wants to watch. So it's fun. Those are great. That's so fun. Well, Rhea, thank you so much for chatting with me today, all about campus technology and your background and everything you're covering. Super informative discussion. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I had fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And for everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Inside the Media Minds. To learn more about our podcast and hear all of our episodes, please visit us at w2com.com slash podcast and follow us on Twitter at Media Mind Show. And you can subscribe anywhere podcasts are found. 